You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is your Friday, April 5th edition of the show. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We're here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday. We want to be part of your daily routine, so make sure you subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. In this episode, we are going to talk about the Red Sox season series ending. Oh, Jesus. I almost... Uh, Almost went for season ending. Yeah, that would be awful. Kind of feels like it. <laughs> yeah, it does. Rough go. We're going to talk about the loss to Oakland, which uh, thankfully ends that series. We're going to talk about the enigmatic Eduardo Rodriguez, and we're going to preview uh, the full season minor league affiliates as those get started uh, tonight as we are talking about this on a Thursday night. Um, so let's just get right into it, Matt. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez uh, had our Real clunker today. Uh, 3.2 innings pitched, six earned runs, three walks, two Ks. Uh, guy was just flat out awful. Uh, he's so infuriating to me. It's, it's getting to the point where I'm just like pissed off every time I see his name in there. He's about to start. Yeah. I mean, all right. So he definitely was not good in this game. He also wasn't as bad as that line score indicates, if for no other reason than. We're going to get to that play in center field later, but that was two runs that absolutely had no business scoring. But either way, he was, he was bad. Um, the third, his first two innings were good. He was throwing like all fastballs and he was just pounding the zone and it was working. And then eventually, obviously you can't just only throw fastballs and he started missing the zone and he started doing that thing where he gets up 0-2, 1-2, and then it turns into a full count, and then he either walks the guy or the guy fouls off a million pitches before getting a double or something. Um, during this game, I was getting frustrated by that, and so I went to the play index, and I looked up how he did on 0-2 counts, and since the start of 2017, there have been 281 pitchers who have gotten to at least 100 0-2 counts, and five of them have a higher walk rate in those situations. Um, it's just, it, it's like you said, it's just infuriating. The that more than anything, like if he gets hit hard, whatever that happens. But this thing where he gets o two one two and then walks guys or gets to full counts, it drives me up a wall, and I just. I'm not done because that would be silly. I think, but I. I feel done right now. Yeah, it's super frustrating. Uh, while you were in the middle of Googling that, uh, I was like um, searching for other infuriating Red Sox pitchers from recent memory. So I was just uh, looking up. Yeah, I saw this. Stats. I have a very, I have a very big problem with this comparison. <laughs> no. So actually, um, you're going to like what I have to say next, though, because I realized quickly the error of my ways, because Buckholtz was far better when he was actually on yeah. the field uh, yeah. than Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez wishes he was Clay Buckholtz. Yeah, uh, unfortunately so. And I I was even looking at him like through the same age, and Buckholtz pitched a whole lot less because he was always banged up, um, it, which is surprising. He had under 100 innings several times early in his career, um, but those innings were typically higher quality. 
than the innings from Eduardo. And then I got to thinking, well, let me go back a little bit further. So I was thinking about Derek Lowe because he used to piss me off sometimes. Um, but Derek Lowe was way better than him too. So uh, I don't think there's anybody uh, quite like this he's guy a, from recent memory. He's like a rich man's dice guy. Yeah. That's, uh, well, Daisuke still had that first year, though, when he came in and was, like, 18 and, what, 3? Something something stupid like nah, that? I mean, who cares about the win-loss rec- win record, though? I, I mean, at the end of the day... That year. Yeah, but, I mean, at the end of the day, Rodriguez has had, like, good runs. Like, he's in a... These first few starts have been infuriating, but, I mean, he's had some stretches where he's been good. I mean, last year he had a... 116 ERA plus. He struck out over 10 guys for nine. He was a three-win pitcher on B-Ref. I mean, he's not... He's put up some numbers. It's just infuriating to watch at times. And he's in one of those stretches right now. If he keeps this up during this year, and the Red Sox decide not to trade him, and not to hang on to Porcello instead, like you mentioned the other day, I'm going to be pissed. I love yeah, I mean, it's... It's too early for me to think about that. No, it's way too early. But I'm just overreacting because, you know what, the team's 2-6. and six, So I think I, I can do that a little bit. Yeah, it's fair. Um, so once again, the starter was garbage. The bullpen came in to clean it up. Vasquez and Hembry did a great job saving the late-inning arms, keeping the team in the game. I thought the bullpen looked good from those two. Yeah, I mean, they Hembry looked better than he has, I think, uh, for most of this year. I don't know. I'm kind of out on Hembry, but yeah, he was fine. If you, This is where you use him. It's kind of in these spots that don't matter. And Velasquez was Velasquez. He's, I don't know how he gets away with what he does, but it's been long enough where it's, I just kind of have to accept it. He's got to have some type of deception we just can't see. Yeah, I mean, there's something like that. There's, yeah, the ball comes out of his hand weird. I don't know what it is, but it works. So we, we got to rant a little bit about this weird play in the outfield uh, where that ball dropped between JBJ and Mookie. Um, this is the second time they've had a miscommunication in the outfield. They almost crashed into each other on opening day as well. Um, it's not cool. They got to talk. I don't, I don't I don't know what happened there. That was I'm not even like I can't even be like super upset about that play. It was just that bad. Like it was just you kind of put up your hands and like that was that was pretty much the game. I mean, it was only a three run game after that, but it felt over. I mean, everybody was deflated. Um, I think it was either the next inning or two innings later. Uh, Mookie struck out looking on a pitch that maybe was borderline, but it was definitely closer to being a strike than a ball. And he got heated at the umpire, which you never see. I mean, these guys are like pressing; they're frustrated. I don't know if it was just loud, they couldn't hear each other, if they just, they, I mean, it looked like they both assumed that the other was gonna get it, and frankly, that was Bradley's ball, he should have gotten it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was unacceptable, and just, like I said, I, I you just gotta put up your hands after that. Yeah, certainly, uh, another indication that this, uh, this series just wasn't, wasn't going the way that they wanted it to. Couple highlights for you before we actually get to segment two, where we're going to touch on the minor. Wait, leagues. I have one. I have one more rant. Oh, okay. About, I, Bet's getting thrown out at third base in the ninth inning was absolutely. I screamed <laughs> like, how many times are you going to watch Loriano make a perfect throw 
before you stop running on him. It's insane. Like, and, and in that spot, you're down by four. You got on to lead off the inning. You get two guys on with nobody out. You getting to third base makes zero difference in this context. All you want are base runners to avoid putting outs on the board. It's just, I mean, Cora said after the game that Betts recognized the error and he owned up to it, and that's great. But, I mean, good Lord, you cannot you cannot keep running on this guy. That's embarrassing that you guys got thrown out three times in four games by the same guy. Yeah, so you're saying that they should have learned after three yeah, times yeah. in four games? I, I feel like <laughs> when you see him with the ball in, your, ball in his hand, if it's not a 110% chance you're going to make it, you should probably just stay still. He threw that thing like like I'd throw a beanbag too. He like didn't even set himself. He just no. Kinda like... He's unbelievable. <laughs> and it was like basically a perfect throw on a line. It's ridiculous how good. Yeah, that and guy I mean is. that's like like everybody says. Everybody says after all of his throws, oh well, it took a it take, took a perfect throw to get him. But it's like yeah, but this guy has shown that he makes a perfect throw like every fucking time. Yeah, he's good he's God. something else. He's gonna be something he's to watch this fan. year. Yeah, he's so much fun. It's just not fun when it's. Your favorite team getting thrown out. JBJ's got some competition for that gold glove this year. Him and Kiermaier better watch their backs. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm upset about that play. I'm all riled up. All right, well, let me give you a couple good things. Martinez had two more hits and a dinger. Uh, Steve Pierce made his way back to the lineup, got a hit. He did strike out three times, but it's awesome to have him back in the lineup. And then Benny had a couple hits today, too, which was a good sign. Uh, overall, though, the the big story of today is that the team just didn't capitalize on its offensive opportunities. They had 10 hits, only scored three runs on that. So you're looking for a little bit more than that when you have 10 hits from your team. So um, Yeah, 10 hits, and they drew five walks. Um, they should have gotten to Anderson for at least five runs in the first two or three innings. and They didn't, and that ended up costing them, too. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back with you, we're going to each pick a guy from the minor leagues and talk about him from each of the full season levels. Welcome back. So we're going to start with the Paw Sox. Um, Matt, who is the guy that you want to talk about for the Pawtucket Red Sox? Uh, so if I remember correctly from like 10 minutes ago, we picked these names. I think I said Travis Lakins, right? You did. Uh, yeah, so, obviously the bullpen is what everybody expected to be the major concern this year. Um, as it turns out, through the first eight games, they've been the one thing that's been consistently good, but it's a little too early to say they're gonna be that good all year. They're going to need help at some point, and Lakins doesn't really have the upside of a Feltman or Darwin's and Hernandez, but, uh, he's, Higher up of the ladder, and he's good. I mean, he's I liked him as a starter. He obviously didn't really have the body to hold up with that uh, with that workload, but he's got uh, four pitches. His fastball, I haven't seen him in relief, but according to reports, it plays up in the high 90s and shorter stints. Um, this is a guy who I don't see as a future closer, but somebody who can come up as soon as this year if everything's clicking right, and he can be like a third guy in the bullpen and I feel like he's kind of getting lost in the shuffle but he's I wouldn't be surprised at all if out of that trio that I mentioned he's the best in 2019 yeah I wouldn't be surprised either he's definitely a name to look for later in the year 
the guy I'm going to go with is the obvious guy, uh, Michael Chavis here. Uh, Pawtucket had their opener today uh, earlier in the day, and he did hit a dinger. So Chavis is just kind of picking up where he left off and showing that he's ready for the show. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some time this year. Um, if any single I'd be surprised if he happens. didn't. Right, yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if an injury happens, though, I think he could get some real run. Yeah, I mean, I think the the uh, as we all know, the interesting thing is where he plays. Um, he played first base today. I think that's where he ultimately ends up. But uh, I've said this before. I think he should get time in left field. It doesn't seem like the team agrees, but that's where I'd I'd give him some sort of shot out there. I Sam think, Travis can do it. Chavis can do it. I think he's going to be the opening day first baseman for your 2020 Red Sox next year. So you Gold- don't think they're going to trade for Paul Goldschmidt, huh? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling this one. All right, let's move down to Portland. I'm going to talk about my guy first. Uh, my guy is Durbin Feltman. You've probably heard a ton about him already this year. Um, actually, last week when we were talking to uh, Jen on the podcast, she mentioned Durbin as well. Uh, guy's just got major league ready stuff already. He was a closer out of TCU. Um, he's got a funky delivery. A little bit of a high-effort delivery, so he's one of those guys you want to get to the show pretty quickly. Um, the thing about him is that, uh, you know, Core has mentioned not wanting to rush him, even though he seems like he has dominating stuff. And last year he showed a little bit of fatigue when he pitched back-to-back days. But I think that this is kind of the guy that um, could reach the show and possibly even skip over Pawtucket altogether. I think the stuff's good enough right now. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see him up by, like, June or July. Oh, not at all. I mean, I think there's an argument he should have been up to start the year if you were saying they should have the best seven guys in the bullpen. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely would be surprised if he went right from Portland to Boston. Um, so I'm going to talk about Bobby Dalbeck, who is as exciting as any prospect in the Red Sox system and also as terrifying um, he is the definition of three true outcomes, huge power, draws some walks, and also swings and misses like there's no tomorrow. Um, I'm not super high on him. I've seen him a couple times, and I probably just caught him on some bad days, but the swing and miss is just super evident, and unless he makes a real adjustment, I don't see it playing in the majors. That said, the dude can mash, so if he does make that adjustment, he's a legitimate candidate to be like an above average starter. And, uh, he's also a little underrated defensively. He's a, probably a little above average at third base. I don't really think he's a gold glover or anything, but he's, he would be the guy to, uh, move Devers across the diamond if that ever happens. Again, I don't really think I would bet on it, but he has, he certainly has the talent to do it if everything comes together. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say with, with Dahlbeck that if, if he does figure out that hit tool a little bit more. Um, he's got the highest ceiling in the entire system. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, unless you really want to stretch and say that Darwin's and Hernandez can stick as a starter, but yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. You know, there's a there's a lot to watch there, but I still I'm petrified. I think that's going to be kind of a fatal flaw for him is that hit tool. But we'll see. Uh, down in Salem, who you got? Uh, I've got my guy, Jaron Duran, um, who's my favorite type of player. I love Jaron Duran. Nobody will replace Maurizio Dubon, 
but Duran's going to come as close as anybody. Um, he is, he's not going to hit home runs, but he is going to hit gap to gap line drives and he is going to fly around the bases. He is one of the fastest, if not the fastest prospect the Red Sox have had in like the last five to 10 years. And he uses that to play solid defense in center field. He covers so much ground and, um, He's only going to get better. He played a lot of infield in college, so he's still learning how to read balls off the bat. But once he gets that down with his speed, he's, I mean, I think he's, uh, he's going to move fast and I think he can be an everyday center fielder on like a probably second division because of his lack of power. But, um, I mean, he's definitely a major leaguer and I just love guys who can run. I'm so excited that they have somebody like this. I'm with you, man. I love his hit tool, too, and uh, the dude was a triples machine last year, so even though he doesn't have that home run pop, he's got doubles power, and he can stretch those hits. Yeah, I mean, it should be mentioned, I've talked to somebody who um, was at a, a lot of spinners games, um, and a lot of that had to do with some... I've, If you've ever seen New York Penn League baseball, you know that's not the cleanest baseball, so some of those triples had to do with some bad defense, but yeah, he's got the speed to stretch a lot of doubles into triples. Yeah, he's a beast. The guy I want to talk about is actually the guy who's getting the nod on opening day. That's Cutter Crawford. Uh, he's got you know pretty good fastball, curveball, cutter, uh, changeup combination, and uh, right now he's uh, he's two innings into his opener. Um, and he's going against uh, Daniel Lynch, a high high draft pick on the other side, and Lynch has actually given up four runs, and he's got two clean innings so far with two strikeouts. Um, Crawford's just a, a bit of a pitchability guy, but I like him. Uh, he doesn't have an incredibly high ceiling. He doesn't have that many overpowering offerings. Uh, not surprisingly for a guy named Cutter, he has an excellent cutter. Um, but, um, yeah, I just like him. I think that he has shown his inability to succeed at every level he's been at so far. And I think that he could potentially stick as a back-of-the-rotation type guy, fourth or fifth starter. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has that potential. Um, he got a little overshadowed by Denny Reyes um, last year, but Crawford was neck-and-neck neck with him for a lot of last year. Um, he also shared, He also went to the same college as uh, Chris Sale, so they've worked out together a little bit, which can't be a bad thing. Nice. Yeah, it's never a bad thing to do that. Last level we're going to talk about is Greenville, the Greenville Drive. Uh, I'll lead it off. Um, the guy who I want to talk about is Red Sox first-round draft pick from this past year, uh, Tristan Casas. Um, this guy, I'm just, like, completely drooling over his bat. Um, he's definitely a first-base prospect, um, but I think that if everything breaks right for him, you can be looking at a 60-hit a uh, 60 power type guy who is a impact every single day uh, first baseman and the future first baseman for the club. Um, I'm just going to be looking to see how he's developing, how he's adjusting to, uh, you know, professional pitching and um, see how the power comes along. And I'm going to be watching the hit tool and um, seeing how the defense plays. I mean, just everything. He's got to he's got to work on every part of his game. But I think that the tools are there. Um, for this guy to really be something special. And you could see him at the top of prospect lists, I think, as soon as next year if he has a really good season. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was on the top of Fangraph's list this year, I believe. So Yeah, that's um, right. That potential's was an, definitely there. Yeah, that was an aggressive pick by them, but they yeah. always go a little bit more future-based. 
Yeah, I mean, I can see it. He's, he does have the potential. Um, I'm going with the guy who was picked last year in last year's draft as well, 20 rounds later. Um, if you don't know the name Brandon Howlett, you better learn it because this guy looks like the steal of the draft. Um, he's a third baseman, and he was a highly thought of uh, high school player heading into last spring. Uh, some scouts saw him. He didn't look nearly as well as they were expecting. His stock fell off pretty hard. Um, everybody kind of assumed he was going to go to college and rebuild that stock. The Red Sox took a chance. They gave him a decent bonus. He came on. Um, they found some issues with his vision, uh, helped him fix that, and he just exploded last year. Um, he's got huge power and a hit tool that is not bad, which for a high school player with big power, that is an outstanding scouting report. Um, I am in love with this profile, and I think he's definitely a top-ten guy next year, and I, he could be even higher than that. Yeah, doesn't hurt that he's got a regenerative healing ability and uh, an adamantium skeleton, too, so helps a lot. <laughs> I... You didn't get my Wolverine reference. I, I don't. I figured it was something with superheroes. I don't really know anything about that stuff, so I was going to let you go with it and yep. explain it because I had no idea what you're talking about. So Wolverine's real name in the comic books is James Howlett, so had to go okay. with the, uh, the, the Wolverine reference. He probably knows that. Okay. Uh, that was – I was like, did I miss something about Brandon Howlett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you never have to worry about him getting on the DL. <laughs> Uh, so that does it for our show. Hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Uh, we'll be with you Monday through Friday as part of your routine. If you like the show, please be sure to rate and review us. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On Red Sox account at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins, and you can follow me at, at Dev Jake. Ask us questions. Interact with us there. Lastly, we urge Red Sox fans... Um, urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. And also, if you're interested in the league as a whole, tune in to Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thanks very much, and we'll be with you uh, on Monday.